Here we go. Well, boy, that first recap was a long one. Um, it'll get shorter, maybe. Um, as for episode two, this one is called The World is on Fucking Fire. <laughs> Margot returns from a run to wake up her husband, Rob Lopez, played by John Leguizamo, who is settling into charming dad roles over the last 20 years, and I'm here for it. These two are in love and lust instantly. I want to root for them as a couple and as a family. Margot tells Rob, through sweaty, smelly kisses, that do nothing to diminish their raw comfort in each other's company, that later she's coming home and they're going to earn uh -uh. The show's decision to expand the role of Margot's husband into the full character of Rob and to cast him with such a charming tater transformed the audience's perception of Margot. In the book, it's far more immediately clear that she's not exactly an ally for women. But she's also not exactly an enemy. It's just a happen power in itself doesn't tell a person what to do with it. The show, however, has chosen to present Margot as a clear and mighty force for women, and I'm here for that too. I can't help but yearn for the lost footage of what Leslie Mann did with the role of Margot before they reshot all of her scenes with Tony Collette over a period of four weeks. Tony said that she thinks the breathless pace of filming contributed to her performance, and you know what? She's right. Downstairs, Joss accidentally shocks the microwave. It has burst into flames worse than the unwatchable scene from the Willies. That's a 1990 movie. Uh-uh, don't watch that. Margot and Rob rush downstairs to help just as their bodyguard Frank races to see what's wrong. Jocelyn's brother and younger sister come to the bottom of the stairs. Joss's brother, Maddie, has an explanation. Teenage girl hormone rage, probably. There's a delightful exchange between Rob and Margot where he's speaking Spanish and Margot doesn't understand a single word. He has the only appropriate response. He says, honestly, respectfully, how long have we been married? 20 years and you haven't picked up one word? Didn't I get you the Rosetta Stone? And Joss says, she hasn't the time to learn our language. She's too busy kissing babies and cutting ribbons. As pressing as this is, Margot gets a call from her assistant, Helen, played by Edwina Findlay. Oh, yes. Helen's words are too big to ignore. The world is on fire. Blackouts, blown grids, fuse boxes. No one knows what's going on. They're saying it's not equipment failure. We briefly see her meet with her team and move to high school and some what the fuck developments for the kids. Now, what do girls talk about in high school? Sometimes vibrators. <laughs> Joss walks with her friend Yuki, played by Ashley de Guzman. Yuki has their own theory about where the power comes from. Yuki says, I've heard that's what causes it. Girls, you know, messing with themselves. Vibrators. <laughs> if you look at each classmate scattered throughout the hall, you'll delight in finding all kinds of gender non-conforming representation. Joss heads to speak with Quinn, played by Tiffany Alicia Tong. All brand new characters created to flesh out Jocelyn's experiences at school from the book. Joss and Quinn are dreading school obligations like homework and tests. But though Joss is not quite yet sure how to control her ability, she's good enough to get out of a test. She fries the fire alarm and sends everyone outside. Look at that, she says, no more tests. Dr. Rob Lopez, that's Joss's father, checks out a girl exhibiting not just scars. They are in the Lichtenberg configuration, which comes only from electrical shocks. No medications in any combination would cause this. There may not be a single source, a single cause. It's possible it happened simply because girls had no other way to survive. Now we go to a different character named Tatiana. Tatiana is the wife of Victor Moskalev, the president of Moldova. 
This is not exactly a brand new character, just one that has been expanded significantly for the show. In the book, Tunde's questions about the power lead him to Moldova, the sex trafficking capital of the world. The Moldovan president is determined to quash any signs of power in women, both before and after the awakening of their skeins. After a brief shot of Tatiana as an adult married to a corrupt Romanian politician, see above or here above, the show cuts to a montage revealing Tatiana was once a gymnast who rose to the top. She hoped to go to the Sydney Olympics. In the flashback footage, she says, I want to make my sister proud. And a reporter asks her, and your mother? Tatiana says, sure. <laughs> In the present, Tatiana is now very successful. She thinks with a kind of fondness on all she overcame to get this far. It is a sign of her power. All she already has and all that she has yet to cultivate. Tunde visits his friend in duty in the hospital and promises he will find out what happened to her. Ali, after killing her foster father and running, is now hitchhiking with varied success. In fact, it keeps going poorly. Men abuse her, and she shocks them to escape. The voice says, this world has done nothing but kick you in the teeth. Allie visits a diner and sits down at a recently abandoned table. She eats the food they left and takes the tip they left to. It's easy when everyone is distracted by footage on TV of the death of Allie's father. Roxy wakes up in a posh bedroom. Last night was awful, but at least she's alive, right? She puts on her shoes, washes her face, tries to make sense of last night. Her power is so raw, so plentiful, that it's bleeding out of her. She goes to see her dad and goes, gets told by the doorman she has to leave her bike outside. She says, I'm Bernie Monk's daughter, but that gets her nowhere. She can only climb so far on her father's shoulders. She confronts her dad about who killed her mom. She saw their faces. Was it your business that got her killed? Payback or something? Her dad says they said, the, and she says, they said the girl wasn't supposed to be here like, like they knew who I was. And the thing is that she now has power. She can help. These primrose people will pay but her dad won't let her. He's too worried about exposure. Let him take care of this. I feel very suspicious and so should you. Allie visits a pawn shop and tries to sell a necklace. The pawn shop owner immediately accuses her of being a drug addict, but that misperception is part of the voice's plan. The voice says, remember those eels? They made the fish swim right into their mouths. So while Allie can't, at least yet, make fish swim into her mouth, she uses a kind of mind control anyone can use manipulation she gets food more money than originally offered for the necklace and all without having to kill anyone the voice says what you have is way better than any gun tunde reviews his footage of what happened with his friend in duty when she defended him and got shocked from the other girls his mom says that she is now branded a witch don't look into this she warns juju is dangerous tunde says sure then uploads it straight to the internet anyway so Margot is then watching Tunde's videos. They could be fake, but are they? She And now Joss rides in the car with her father. It's such a charming scene with Leguizamo daring to body his own daughter with an elite rap battle. Any Mario Luigi reference will do, eh? The whole thing is full of wonderful expressions of a multicultural childhood. But then Jocelyn's power shorts the radio, and her dad can't deny that the thing he saw at the office is the same thing that's happening to his daughter. <sighs> the vagabond alley meets two young desperate girls and a desperate family stuck on the road. Now aware of the various uses of her ability, Allie sends shocks through the engine to start it. She fixes their car, but a stray lick of lightning touches one of the daughters. 
The presumption is that while this hurt the girl, it also awakened her own skein. The daughter will now be just like Allie. Roxy leaves in a fury, only to be hit off her bicycle by a truck. The owner gives her mad shit, and she sends a righteous sap his way. Here's one thing the show hasn't told you yet explicitly, but has made abundantly clear through each gender non-conforming character who has a skein. It's kind of a spoiler, but I think this is too important not to mention. The dude she shocked, he might have a skein too. One that was awakened by Roxy attacking him. Will he ever admit he has one? Will he repress it to the degree that he'd rather die than admit he live and admit he's not cisgender? Most men don't have a skein. And the ones who do don't want it. They'd rather die than be gender nonconforming. That sounds like a, like the real world, eh? So um, back with Joss, she is vaping with Kat, the character who deserves a spinoff ASAP. Anissa Matlock's so good. Kat encourages Joss to go flirt with Ryan. Give her time. Joss will discover what makes Ryan just as special as her. Marga visits her enemy, Daniel Danny Danden, played by Josh Charles from The Good Wife. Oh, I love this guy, even though I hate his character. So he's at home playing poker with the boys. <sighs> yes, the guys who fund your literacy programs, Daniel says. Margo is concerned about what's happening with girls across the world. And Daniel, of course, says, LOL, you women are so emotional. She tries showing him Tunde's video. Daniel says, Margo, that is a video on user, the show's version of YouTube. He says, I will have a team look into this. In the meantime, you will wait patiently and quietly. If he'd left it there, maybe she'd have left it there. <laughs> Instead, Daniel says, you do this as long as I have. You learn not to get your panties in a bunch. Margo does not say anything, but there are lots of fun reaction shots from Tony Collette. She returns home to Rob. Margaret says, all I wanted to do tonight was have a nice meal and uh, uh, my husband. Neither person wants to admit the crazy electric shit they encountered today. The audience, however, knows they are both hiding different pieces of the same secret. I can see that something is up and you're bottling it, Rob says, a huge counter to Danden's misogyny. To help her release her pent-up rage, he encourages her to break shit. She breaks one of their most hated but precious possessions. It feels good to break stuff that's only ever brought you harm and shame. Now back with Tatiana, fucking L-O-L, and in that order. Tatiana's having the most boring sex you can imagine with her husband, or maybe she's just distracted. She's watching the TV while he goes at it, and the footage is of girls awakening across the world to power. She pretends to orgasm, while, and that instantly sends her husband into his own release. She tries to talk to him about what's happening in the world with women, heck with herself. But Tatiana's husband says, you think I don't know what's going on in my own country? There's a brief flashback for Tatiana that reveals what she's fighting against on the inside. We see her at home with her poor family. We hear the much older Bunny, played by Dana Vojtu. I think I'm saying, I don't know. I had to say that last name. I'm sorry. And all Bunny sacrificed to get Tatiana through the training for the Olympics. Why won't Tatiana just do what she's supposed to do? Bunny says, of course, be ambitious. Of course, you must be ambitious, but you mustn't show them you're ambitious. They won't like it. A sweet little girl is all you have to be. So guess what? Bunny has now in the present come back to beg Tatiana for generosity. Tatiana says, I will help you as you helped me all those years ago. Not at all. Back with Roxy, it's a good thing Tundia uploaded those videos because Roxy is watching one of them. She's beginning to understand what is happening to her. She reveals her to her father she has more power than anyone. This is a majestic expression of her ability. 
She takes him to a field and lets those bolts of electricity spread from her like storm unleashing her full power. There is a kind of implied symbolism that as Roxy openly expends its power, she helps awaken it in all girls across the world. Back with Allie in the wake of all the violence and fear, she takes a moment of peace and serenity. She kneels down. She touches the earth. She feels her power. She speaks to the voice. She accepts what she is and had always been. A woman ready to explore a bountiful exchange with power. The voice says, because the world is in need of a revolution and you are going to be its voice. Allie slams her fist into the earth once, twice, each time releasing her anger and discovering it is righteous and pure. The voice says, a better future is in your hands. With Joss, there are signs everywhere. You'll know them when you see them. Joss is making out with Ryan outside at a party when a plane falls out of the air. Everyone at the creek party watches in wonder. And what I ask is this show secretly a prequel to Lost? Margot receives a call about the crash plane. Any hope she and Rob had this would evolve slowly is gone. The world is on fire.